Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning saints and saunterers. Here we go. We are sauntering again today. Apologies for the delay Um, and we should just Thank God for the arrival of Forty and Kira's little baby. And well done, Kira, for a very hard um, work. It's tough going, but what a great job. And we bless you guys in Jesus' name. And we pray too for Mike Robinson, who's been taken into hospital. I don't know any more at the moment, but we pray for Mike and Beverly. Heavenly Father, just come close to them and let the operation on Mike be an absolute success and just bring him through this well and strongly in Jesus name so God we thank you and bless our sauntering today Lord good morning Fliss and Kathy and Paul and Fran thank you and Mary good to see you so we're on um, chapter 20 today It's not a long chapter. It is a chapter once again where Abraham gets himself into some trouble and we'll see. So let's press on. So um, remember yesterday was a really tough day, wasn't it? We were talking about um, the judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities in the valley and Lot's compromise and the, the sad kind of, oh, unraveling of that story a very painful story um and i'm sure as we read abraham journeyed towards you know he went away from that area i'd imagine he just wanted to get shot of the place and just put those painful memories out of his mind so it says from there abraham journeyed towards the territory of the negev and between kadesh and shur and he he sojourned in gerar And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. So he's back on that old story again. It's like, hold on, Abraham. (laughs) We just did all of this back in chapter 12, I think it was. Oh, gosh, with the king of Egypt. Now he's doing it again. So he's moved away from the area where he was. He's traveled to a new region called Gerar. And now he's coming out with the same story that Sarah is my sister. Well, we know that's a half-truth. A half-truth is effectively a lie. And so, Abraham, come on, you've grown up, surely. You've had these experiences of God. And yet, here he is sliding back into that old ruse. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, Gerar, sent and took Sarah. 
But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you're a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now, Abimelech had not approached her. So he said, Lord, will you kill innocent and innocent people? Did not, sorry, did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. So, so this is incredible, isn't it? This unknown pagan king has taken this woman who he thought was fair game because everyone was saying, oh, she's Abraham's sister. The fact of her incredible age doesn't seem to bother him as it didn't seem to bother the king of Egypt before when she was significantly younger. But was this still on account of Sarah's outstanding beauty or was it because Abraham was a wealthy guy it just seems that this whole behaviour, this whole thing just seems so remote and alien from my thinking that <clears throat> anyway, there's this guy travelling through your land. So you poach his wife. <laughs> Come on. That's just... Anyway. But now Abimelech is feeling affronted by God because he's saying, God, I, I didn't actually touch her. You know, honest, Gov, I didn't touch her. I didn't lay a hand on her. In any case, the guy said she was his sister. And he said, and she herself, so Sarah went along with the story and said, he's my brother. And so Abimelech is saying, listen, in the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I've done this. Then God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And it was I who kept you from sinning against me. So Abimelech is saying, I didn't touch her, Lord. And when God says, no, you didn't touch her because I didn't let you touch her. Let's get the story absolutely straight. But God does commend Abimelech for his integrity, even though he's stolen another person's wife or sister even and made her part of his harem of wives because he already had a wife. He had possibly more than one. Um, but God does recognize that there is some integrity there. He says, therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then return the man's wife for he is a prophet so that he will pray for you and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. Wow. I don't think Abimelech, having met with God, is going to try his chances. But just in case, God is saying, listen, if you don't return her, you're going to die. All of your whole household is going to die. Um, and But he says this incredible thing. He says, now then, return the man's wife, for, she, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you. Now, this is the first we've heard God actually endorse Abraham as a prophet. Now, just in case anyone out there is still under the illusion that prophets are always right in every detail of their lives because they bring a word from the Lord, it is not necessarily the case. And Abraham was not right in every detail of his life. Clearly, what he had done was actually wrong. He'd sinned against his wife. He'd sinned against Abimelech. He sinned against God. He hadn't trusted God 
which is what this boils down to. And we'll see, <laughs> we'll dig under the, uh, the surface a little bit in a minute and we'll see some more things. But, but nonetheless, God is endorsing Abraham and endorsing his call as a prophet. And I think this is really, really telling. It's a really helpful insight that because sometimes we struggle over the servants that God uses and we see them do something in one area that seems to kind of let them down. And yet in another area, God seems to be endorsing what they're saying and kind of backing them up. And you kind of think, God, what's going on? Don't you see the whole person? Well, of course he does. And the whole person will be judged and is accountable to God. Absolutely. But nonetheless, God uses imperfect vessels. God uses incomplete projects to deliver his word and his message. And so interestingly, when we think about Abraham as a prophet, we don't hear him coming out with great prophetic pronouncements or great soliloquies like Isaiah. You know, we think, wow, that's a prophet. Where did Abraham prophesy? Well, actually, what Abraham did was he listened to God. He lived a life that demonstrated the kingdom of God, even in a very, very pagan, hostile culture, although he didn't get it right 100 percent of the time. His life was a prophetic sign and his life was foretelling something. And we, you can, um, there are so many things that the life of Abraham and Sarah prophesy about. It's profound. And, and it's really worth just reflecting on what their lives teach us. <clears throat> but even in this moment, he's a prophet in training and God is training him and he's not there yet. But nonetheless, God said, if you let him pray for you, he'll, you know, you'll be healed, you'll live. So I'm giving this man the power of life over you. You're the king. You think you've got the power over him and over this woman. Actually, I'm giving him power over you. This is a really, really interesting and important um, little section here. So buenos dias, Flor, and good morning, um, Wills. So, but if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die and all who are yours. Verse eight. So Abimelech rose early in the morning. I love it when we see that is when somebody is going to be obedient to God. They get up early in the morning and get started on it straight away. It's the first thing they do. It contrasts sharply with Lot, who's dithering around and almost getting himself destroyed and his wife did get destroyed in the process because his his heart is not 100% to serve God but he had a divided heart he had divided loyalty but Abimelech in he's encountered God he's going to get on with it first thing he does in the morning so Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told them these things and the men were very much afraid so the whole household was kind of agitated by the fear of the Lord because of the Abimelech's vision. And then Abimelech told, called Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? 
you have done to me things that ought not to be done. Now, Abimelech is giving the man of God a proper good talking to and saying, listen, this is unacceptable the way you've treated me. And, you know, you, you, you've done something to me that should, ought not to be done. And really, Abimelech is saying, you're the guy who should know better. And actually, because I've just been off, I've just got off the phone to your God and he's told me you're a prophet. How come this is going on? You know, and that's that's really what's behind all of this. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what did you see that you did this thing? And Abraham said, I did it because I thought there is no fear of God at all in this place and it will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she is my sister. Indeed, she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And listen to this. Verse 13. So now we're having Abraham justifying himself. He's saying, well, she is technically my sister. Abraham, shut up. <laughs> so she is technically my sister. But listen to this in verse 13. It says, and when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, this is the kindness you must do to me at every place to which we come. Say of me, he is my brother. This is incredible because Abraham here is blaming God. He says, um, <clears throat> when God caused me to wander from my father's house and the word therefore wander is the word like a sheep that's gone astray or a drunkard who's staggering aimlessly and directionlessly around. And he's like, he's not only justifying himself because he's told a half-truth and he thinks that should be enough, which <laughs> it is not enough. Um, he's now blaming God and saying, yeah, well, God made me wander and dither around and here I am in some foreign country I've washed up in, you know, God alone knows where because God made me do it. And, and there's this sense of Abraham, come on, mate, you are a man of God. You can do better than this. Don't start blaming God. Um, anyway, so when God caused me to wander from my father's house, anyway, he agreed this thing with Sarah. Well, it was an agreement that they both made, but and she had entered into it. But he was in the position of power, certainly in those days as her husband, and he shouldn't have um, required that of her. And so she'd gone along with the story, but it was unfair on her. It was unfair. And it was a lie and it's caught up with him. Verse 14, then Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male servants and female servants and gave them to Abraham and returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, behold, my land is before you dwell where it pleases you. So he's this is incredible, isn't it? So he's coming once again, the king who has been wronged is coming to Abraham, who's really done the wronging, and he's bringing all this wealth. He's bringing, like, compensation to Abraham to bless him. And he's saying, actually, my whole land is here. You know, you can go where you like. You're a free man of this land. That's incredible. And he, so he's, he's adding to Abraham's wealth, 
and Abraham is now being given freedom to move around in the land. And verse 16 to Sarah, he said, behold, I've given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It is a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you. And before everyone, you are vindicated. So he's saying, Sarah, listen, you're an innocent party in all of this. I've given your brother this money. But really what I'm saying to you is you are innocent and I'm I'm kind of humbling myself and giving this payment over just as a way of declaration. But I wonder how sarcastic um, <laughs> he was when he looks at Sarah and he says, behold, I've given your brother <laughs> um, all of this money. And so I don't know. But there's certainly a lot of kind. I I would have thought there would have been some red faces around the place. Um, but Sarah, you are innocent. Now, this is important. It's really important that we get a clear statement about this because God is watching over his promise to Abraham and Sarah. It is very, very important. So important that the child of promise is born to Abraham and Sarah. It's important that he's born at a late stage in Sarah's life, when she's gone past the point of being able to have children, naturally speaking. This is, it's essential. It's important that it was Abraham and Sarah, not Abraham and Hagar. And it's important that it's Abraham and Sarah not Sarah and Abimelech. And so God is making absolutely clear. It's all wrapped up in legal speak and, you know, clarification of the point that he did not touch her. The king did not touch her. He did not inseminate her in any way. So she's not been, um, so the offspring that will subsequently be born to her is not, his in any way it is entirely Abraham's and hers and so God is kind of making a very clear point that this woman's womb is a holy place and there's only one child going to come from it and that's the child of promise and the child of adultery or any other kind of activity is not going to be anywhere in it. I hope that makes sense, what I've just said. I think I could have said that slightly tidier. But then Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech and also healed his wife and female slaves so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Now, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? We don't get the sense of how long Sarah was actually there. It seems to have all gone, happened like quickly and yet there was some evidence in the household that their wombs had been closed that God had stopped them all from being able to conceive for that period that Sarah was in the house now that would if that was as quick as one night or you know a few days I wonder how they knew but anyway it's interesting as well that it was in the the whole reproductive thing of that household was hijacked whilst God was watching over his promise to Abraham and Sarah. Really, really interesting. 
I also, I just have a question I'm going to throw out there. I don't, is completely kind of speculative, but I wonder if Abraham had owned Sarah as his wife instead of pretending she was his sister, whether they would have had their child of promise earlier. Um, because I think he was dishonouring her, wasn't he? All the way through, he was kind of putting a distance between himself and his wife and saying, no, she's my sister, she's my sister, instead of saying, yeah, she's my wife and I'm proud of her and if you take her, I will die for her. You know, but God surely is big enough to protect Abraham in that culture where wife stealing was a thing. Um, Anyway, that's just a... Poor white speculation, so I'm not going to write a book about that. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, and also healed his wife and female slaves, so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Now, I don't know. I I find this an absolutely fascinating story because it's it indicates to us just how human. God's servants are and even though he's called us to be a prophet or whatever he's called you to be um you're a human being but you know God God is still we still carry his reputation around with us and his reputation with the people that we rub shoulders with and let us look for how honorable we can be not how sneakily dishonourable we can be and see what we can get away with. But let's actually be exemplary. Let's tell the truth even when it hurts and swear to our own hurt and so on and so on and so on. But may God bless you and watch over you today. And I pray that God has spoken to you through this and will continue to speak to you as you reflect on it throughout the day. Have an amazing day, you guys. Take care. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page and my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him. But more than anything else, that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. Or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.